is this the responsible thing? Like, is this the responsible thing to like take the salary and take the hours and, and take this path? Or am I too old? Like, no, pursue what's going to make you happy. Do what's going to make you happy. And I was like, okay, okay, cool. I needed to hear that. Thank you. Hi, amigos. Welcome back to another episode of the Journey of Pursuit podcast. Today's guest is my friend, Emery Franklin. She is a singer-songwriter, recording artist, and actress from the San Juan Islands, currently living in Los Angeles. At just 26 years old, she has been mentored by Cheryl Crow for the Women Who Rock series with Citibank and NBC. She has been a brand spokesperson for the fashion line Tale Blanc, and her latest pursuit is playing Heather in Netflix's latest docuseries, Heist, from the producers behind the Academy Award-winning short film Two Distant Strangers. Heist premiered just yesterday on Netflix, so it is now live for you to watch. Let me know what you think. In this episode, we talk about a variety of things, such as what it was like going from singing and songwriting to then acting, what it was like to do self-tapes during COVID, how she got the audition for Heist, and so much more. I do want to give a disclaimer that towards the end of this episode, we do touch upon eating disorders. And so if that is triggering for you, please do not listen. I just wanted to give you a little disclaimer that towards the end of the episode, we do touch upon that. So if that's triggering for you, please don't listen. I'm so excited for you guys to get to know my friend, Emery Franklin. Let's take a listen. Hello. It's so good to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> of course. I'm so excited to have you on and I'm so excited for people to come and hear your story. Thank you. Me too. I was thinking about how we met. Yes, we met randomly. Um, I think it was like one of our mutual friends had invited both of us separately to or one of your friends, I think, knew one of my friends. And then yeah. we ended up in the same kind of like happy hour situation. This is before COVID. We just kind of exchanged our Instagrams and we kind of stayed in touch. It was that bar off of Melrose. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I actually remember talking to you that night at the bar about our endeavors, like what we wanted to do. And you were talking about singer songwriting or you were talking about your songwriting career. I was also talking about my songwriting career. And then you talked about your acting career. And I remember being like, you can do it. Like, it's great. We, we can just do whatever we, we set our minds to. And I remember we had kind of a conversation along those lines of like, just go for it. And here we are. I was thinking, I remember being like at that party and kind of, I was tired. I just like wasn't feeling like my most social self. And you and I just stayed outside and we were talking and I just remember like energetically, I was like, Ooh, I really enjoyed talking to her. And then we've uh -huh. stayed in contact ever since. Thank you. Yeah. Same. Likewise. I really enjoyed talking to you. And I was like, um, we definitely have to hang out again. And of course, as life would life. have it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So take us to kind of like the beginning. What, mm -hmm. how did you get into being in this creative life of like singer songwriting and also in act into acting? How did you get started? Um, so I'm from the San Juan Islands in Washington State, and I was always singing. I took guitar lessons, and um, Friday Harbor is such a small town. Everyone knows everybody, and I was very supported, I guess, from a really early age. Kind of the community locked on to the fact that 
I was trying to do this and I was serious about it. Um, so a lot of opportunities for live performances and great teachers. And then uh, from there, I was singing competitions. And then at some point, I was discovered by a manager who flew to Seattle to um, essentially sign me to a management contract. And from there, I was in Nashville. I was still going to high school, so I was 17. And I was like taking spring break and all these different breaks to go to Nashville and record with a producer out there. And then I guess things like really shifted into gear my second semester of college, I dropped out of college because I was signed to like a trio management company. And um, one of the managers was based in Nashville and he was um, very, very connected and, and he was working with Disney Publishing at the time. So I went to Nashville and spent like a year out there and what I referred to as like the boot camp of songwriting. It was the hardest year of my life. <laughs> You know how it is. It's, it's a song a day. You're in the writing room every single day. Yeah, it's intense. Um, An intense, for sure. An intense place to be. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think also like just being 18 and paying rent and buying groceries and being a human being and also trying to make new friends and writing. And I remember my first day in Nashville, I went to like the CAA barbecue and my manager at the time just kind of left me there. He was like, okay, um, I'm going to go network, talk to people. And I'm like, uh, uh, okay. And so I like put on my best networking face and I like went around and talked to people and I was like, okay, next year I'm going to come back here and I'm going to know every single person here next year came around and I did. So wow, that's I, incredible. I hustled in Nashville and it almost killed me. I, I had to go home because I was having all sorts of issues and um, kind of recovered, went back to school and then really felt this pull to be in Los Angeles. When I came out here, I started dating someone who was in the film industry. He was working on a film in Vancouver. So I was spending time getting to see this magical world of filmmaking at like a very high level. And I was like, oh my God, this is, I, wow, okay. Um, <laughs> And at the time I, I met a producer who was like what I referred to as a creative soulmate. He just got me and we were writing and, and music was fun again. And I was creating and I was introduced to film and that relationship ended and that relationship with that producer took a very sour end as well. So I was kind of left heartbroken and found acting classes as a very therapeutic way to, to get over that. So that, that was kind of my lead up to where I am now. I actually kind of love that you took the route of like being an actress or starting to act because of some kind of like heartbrokenness because it almost like gives you that not like leverage but you know what I mean like oh this happened this something good happened because of the hurt that I went through and I feel like everyone always you know wants that because you don't want to just go through the pain and then nothing comes from it it's like you really want like the other side to appear yeah, I think that, and you can attest to this as a singer and a songwriter, um, there's a part of writing that's so vulnerable that you feel like you have to crack yourself open to a point where you almost feel numb. And I was getting kind of this like PTSD feeling every time I went into a writing room. 
because I would just get so anxious, like, oh my God, this person, you know, has this great resume or they're this great writer or, you know, they've, uh, my, my representation has talked me up and I have to be good and are my ideas good and just very like suffocating. It wasn't fun anymore. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's heartbreaking in itself. And then I also found I was just, as a person, I was just kind of like, I felt like this icebox and this concept of like taking an acting class. After my first, I, I audited a class with um, a coach that I still coach with. And he was all about vulnerability and like really like going deep. And I was just like, oh my God, what is this? Why am I feeling things? And uh, I, yeah, if I thought that that was therapy and then that turned into something much, much more than therapy. Incredible. I actually, I think it's really similar the to, like you were saying, the path of a singer songwriter and the path of an actor or actress, because you really do have to open yourself up in a room to write with people. You ha If you want to write a song about something very specific, you kind of have to share that vulnerability with the people in the room. And then in front of a camera, I'm sure, which I've never been an actress but I took some acting classes too for fun with um, an old roommate I had here in LA and she really pushed me to do that and I remember feeling kind of the same thing where he would put me on the stage and I'd be like oh my goodness I actually feel what this character is feeling or you know and I and it had nothing to do with my life whatever we were reading whatever the script was but it really does kind of open you up in this way that is so vulnerable that you either ace it in the sense of like just own it or you really don't know what to do with it and you're just kind of left to kind of like decipher what that feeling is but I think so much growth can come from acting classes I never thought that that would happen but I totally understand what you mean yeah you got the feeling of of not trying but just like being and like living and breathing whatever the character yeah. or the text on the page was was saying and those words sometimes that's that's just enough so once you got into these acting classes and you felt that kind of magic i guess something that would kind of bring you back to that inspiring state which i guess i'm assuming you had before with music and then it kind mm -hmm. of transitioned more into acting what was that like then being in that new spot where you were kind of like, okay, I'm now going to be doing this full time or, or more so than what I was doing before? What was that headspace like? What, what made you kind of decide that? What was your next step? Really good question. Um, I think acting was really, has been really liberating because it wasn't the thing I was always supposed to do. I don't know if that resonates with you, but oh my I gosh, see you smiling. Because yes. even though you're talking about acting. I feel yeah. that with the podcast. Like no one, I was not yes. supposed to be a podcaster. No. And supposed to be in quotes, right? Cause like, what are in we quotes. supposed to be? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a perfect um, example because, you know, I was nine and I had a guitar and I like won my fifth grade talent show. And then the entire island community is like, oh, well, you know, she's, she's the singer. Like she's supposed to sing. She's supposed to go off and do great things. Like there's a big chip on your shoulder in that sense. Like I have to do, I have to do this because so many people are relying on me to do something when music wasn't fun anymore and acting was this whole new playground. I didn't give my, I took acting classes for an entire year before I even gave myself permission to say that I wanted to do it. Wow. I think that it has, it's like, 
the way I talked about it to people, the way I talked to my parents, the way I talked to my friends, the way I talked to myself, I was like, I'm a journaler as well. I know you journal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'd be like, I just love doing this so much, but it's, it's just a hobby. I don't care. It's fine. Like I, I wasn't. Yeah, you talk yourself out of it. Yeah, you don't want to give yourself permission to say, no, I want to do this because then it becomes real. Oh, yeah, I've been there. I think yeah. also, like you said, it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing to talk about because I think more so now with COVID and the whole year of everyone kind of staying inside and having this time to reflect on what your life is actually like and what you do like and what you don't like. Why is it that some some of us, because me included, have such a hard time of like letting go of what other people think we have to be doing. You know what I mean? And I know, I mean, you're also kind of like looking at me like you understand, but it's true. It's like, it took me so long to be like, I don't just have to be a songwriter. Everyone understands that I love music and that music is going to be a part of my life no matter what I do. But why is it that anything, like the only thing that people ask me about is my music? Like there's so much more to me. And that's why I think I got so interested in figuring out if there was something else that could give me that like drive and energy that music gives me, you know? And so the podcast was kind of my, my acting, like we were saying, but I understand what you mean of like, Mm. it gave you that liberty. It gave you that freedom to like fall in love with creativity again. I think that's the key is falling in love with creativity again, because there was a, there was a part of me once I did give myself permission to be an actor and say, I want to do this and I want to be serious about it. And I want to take the next steps necessary to really, you know, put myself in the game. I tried to quit music. I tried to be like, I'm tapping out. That's it. Music has broken my heart way too many times. Like it's, it's that's no. And my manager, bless her. She's been with me since I was 18 she was like incredible you know just take a break just you do you let it breathe and I, it was kind of like once I stopped white knuckling music and let it go I got a song placed on a tv show and it pulled me back in I was like god ah, okay fine I'll come back and once I came back without that pressure and that reputation or whatever that shackles I put on myself music totally evolved into what I wanted it to be yeah it doesn't that happen all the time that you love that yeah <laughs> the second you have to get to the let, point yeah the second you let go of what you think everything is supposed to be like and how you want your career to plan out all of a sudden it just kind of happens for you it just yeah. has always been like that for me personally and so I, de- I definitely relate to that of the song being placed and you being like okay I'm back in a better way in a, in a less of a pressured way which you were saying because it's true like even though there's a lot of talk in LA especially of everyone that's here that's a creative doing what they love kind of going for that dream yeah Essentially, like ultimately the pressure is you like you're giving yourself the pressure. No one else is. Everyone is doing their own thing and is too busy to know and understand what you're going through. Mm-hmm. The pressure is more on yourself. And if you can get through that, like you were saying, if you can kind of disregard that pressure and just be happy and free with your creativity, chances are it'll just be easier. It'll come to you easier. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're flexible too. You don't have such a rigid structure to what you think your life should look like or what you think your music should sound like or how you should present yourself. You're more flexible and that allows more things to come to you that you didn't even know you wanted or expected. Yeah. And also kudos to your manager for not being someone that's like, I'm dropping you. That's it. We're done. You know, instead, it, she was like, like you were saying, amazing and, and supported you. And that's ultimately what you want in a manager or someone that's going to stick with you through the ups and downs of your career. Yeah, yeah, she's, she's ride or die for sure. Once you kind of got to that point where mm -hmm. you became a little more flexible and music was kind of presenting itself to you again, what happened then? You had taken a year of acting classes. You were in and out of music, like you were saying. When did you start auditioning? What was like the next step after that? My acting coach, he's very uh, adamant about setting up his students for success and, and putting them in front of people that might want to represent them. So we did a, uh, our, my studio put on a, a play. We did uh, Farragut North and I played Molly. My boyfriend at the time was also repped by an, an agent. So my coach, she came in, she saw me on stage and um, he set up a meeting and she signed me and I've been with her since too. So I'm, I kind of have had the same team now for a couple of years, which is nice because everyone knows me and I trust them. Um, and it was a very organic way for a newcomer with no idea how to get a, an agent and no idea how to get headshots or a reel or a resume or anything. It was just like an organic, like, I see something in you. Let's, let's do this together. And then she started sending me out on auditions. I really do think a good team is something so necessary when you're, you know, ready for that step of having people to help you and set up kind of what you're saying, like you're real and everything. Cause as a musician, I'm sure you always knew about the musician side of things to be ready, you know, what yeah. you need to be ready for a gig for, anything like if you're going to yeah. get your music licensed or if you're going to have a release whatever it may be but then transitioning into that world of film that team must have been so helpful for you i think that actors and i learned this actors move to la and they say i want to be with caa i want to be with william morris i want to be with you know one of the, the top agents and if you do get to be repped by that agency that is amazing you know that is awesome but I was a, I, I am, I'm a nobody. So I signed with a boutique agent who was really going to be there for me. And she was, you know, I can text my agent at any time and she'll respond to me. She's not too busy for me. And Incredible. I think that's great because she fights for me and um, having a smaller agent when you're just starting out, like, that's awesome. That is, that's the goal. Someone to be like, Hey, you should shoot with this photographer, your headshots, you need to get this real, you need to, um, I think these are the kinds of characters that you should go after. It's just really helpful to have some guidance anywhere in, in any industry, a mentor, someone who's going to watch out for you. It's just invaluable. Yeah. And so what was your first audition? Like, how did you feel going into that place now that you had taken classes and you were preparing for that? I remember my agent sent me on an audition before she had even signed, before I'd even signed my contract. Um, my coach was like, hey, there's a movie they're shooting. They need someone who can sing and play guitar. She's going to get you audition. You should go. And I was so nervous. I remember like being there and I had taken on camera class. I, I knew how to audition, but it was being in the room for the first time and 
standing on my mark and looking at my reader and just delivering. And I remember walking out of that audition and being like, okay, okay. And I, I won't swear on this podcast, but like, <laughs> like holy, <laughs> the amount of adrenaline in my body. Yeah. Yeah. And then from, and then I was, I was a really nervous auditioner for about like a year. And then honestly, I, I booked a couple things like short, short things. I met one of my absolute favorite humans ever. His name is Jason and he's one of my collaborators and we do tons of things together and we'll have some fun announcements soon. Um, I auditioned for his film and I, I got it. And then the film never got made, but he and I, connected and we made a couple other things together and that has then snowballed but that was like one of the first things I got and then like COVID happened something about auditioning you had to really hone in on being a good self-taper and so I feel like from all like between class and being like I feel so comfortable on stage but then like honing in on to just what the actual skill of auditioning is because it's different than acting on stage or acting in, with your scene partner on camera I feel like I'm a pretty good auditioner now so it's interesting how like just having to adapt to the times has changed at least me as an actor yeah for sure and having to become resourceful right because especially mm -hmm. at a time with like COVID I mean what else are you going to do there really was no other option like, if you want to get work or if you want to continue doing what you love you have to adapt. You have to just make it work. I can't even imagine what that was like being an actor and having to send in self tapes and figure out a, a setup and get a camera and get a something behind you so that it looks like what they need or mm -hmm. which is anything. This is all I know about audition tapes yeah. from like my old roommates. So I could be completely wrong that uh, this is all different now, but yeah, I think that's super admirable for anyone that had to have figured out their job and like their whole career in a new way during COVID, yeah. which is everyone. It's crazy how it's gone through like, you know, when, when, first, when COVID first happened and we were all like in the initial lockdown, everything was kind of dead silent. And then suddenly auditions started like rolling in like heavy, like now, you know, this, this week I've gotten four or five auditions, I think. Wow. Um, and that it's been like that consistently where I will go out for things just all the time. And, and I've only had one in-person audition um, in, in the past year. And that was like a week ago. So yeah. everything has been on tape. And so you learn real fast how to be a good auditioner on tape. When did you get the audition for Heist? Which now we can talk about because the trailer yeah. came out today. <laughs> Heist is a, a Netflix docu-series that is produced by Dirty Robber, and um, it comes out on July 14th, which is very exciting, and it is a three-part series, so it covers three crimes that were committed. I play the title character for um, my two episodes, so I got to play um, a, a real person. Her name is Heather, and uh, that was just a profound experience. Like it was so cool. It was so cool. Everything about it was the, the crew, you know, the, the set, the, the research, you know, um, learning about Heather and, and what, it, what her life, like, ah, uh, it was, it's like, you know, it's a dream. So that was amazing. Amazing. And so you were living with your parents at the time mm -hmm. that you got this audition or what was yeah. that like? Yeah, I, I moved back home to San Juan Island 
and um, my parents run a, um, they have a vacation rental, but obviously no one was renting it because of COVID. And for me, I asked them like, hey, I would like the ability to wake up in the morning and leave the house. I need a reason to get dressed and I need a reason to leave the place I had coffee and breakfast and go somewhere. Um, and they said, great, you know, you can, you can use the vacation rental. No one's there nothing's happening. I was like, fantastic. So I had this little house to like create in, which was amazing for music. A for, dream. For, I know it was, I could paint there. I could do music there. I could, you know, I could self tape there. Um, so yeah, I got the audition and I self taped in that house and I had um, a friend zoom in. So my reader was through zoom and it was the classic, like I have a ladder with like scotch tape and my ring light is like, you know, pathetically hanging and <laughs> makes the story a million times more interesting. I feel like I love, I love that. And, you know, if someone walked in and saw what I was doing, they'd be like, you're <laughs> nuts. But I did, I did the tape. I sent the first tape and I told my agent, I was like, Hey, I feel really good about this one. She's like, okay, cool. Didn't hear back for a month. So I was like, oh, I, I didn't, I obviously didn't get it. And then I got a callback that said, Hey, we're going to do a zoom callback. So it'll be like a live zoom callback your internet needs to be really good for this. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm on an island. Uh, we don't really have high speed internet. We are in the middle of nowhere. This is gonna be a problem. Um, oh my gosh. So I figured out that if I stood outside my high school, I could pirate their Wi-Fi, and I could get high speed internet. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> this is incredible. And I and I did one like uh, like Facebook Live concert pirating my high school's Wi-Fi. That was successful. So I was like, oh, I'll just do it again for this, you know, the biggest audition of my life. It's fine. And um, I was setting up. I had my whole setup. I was 10 minutes early. I was ready. And um, my guidance counselor from high school, she, she like saw me and she was going in and she's like, what are you doing? I was like, I have an audition. She's like, do you want to do it in here? And I was like, Oh God. Yeah, sure. And so I like was sitting there like setting up my zoom thing in like my high school guidance counselor's office. I feel like things always come full circle. I, I really do love that. I love when stories really do come all together, like yes. perfectly aligned just when you needed someone to show up and see you pirating the high school Wi-Fi so that she could let you in and use it most like small town like cherry on top so that was very entertaining i think i was in a good mood for that audition just because i thought it was so ironically funny um but again I, so it was another month until i heard back from them and said okay you have a you, you're doing a producer session you have the chemistry read so i read with a couple different males to be my love interest in in the show and um they cast patricio and we, i remember they had improv a bunch of stuff and do the scene a bunch of times um and that was bizarre because it was Zoom, but, you know, chemistry read, they got what they needed. Maybe a week later, I was in Venice Beach. I was, like, kind of drunk with my, a couple of my girlfriends. I got the call that I got the part, and I just, like, dropped to my knees in Venice Beach, and I was like, <laughs> wow, so cool. Bizarre, though, because they didn't see me in person until, like, my first day at rehearsals. Wow. Well, I guess, yeah, because it was during COVID showed up to rehearsals and I had this like feeling I was like oh I'm gonna get fired like they're gonna see me in person and they're gonna hate me and they're gonna like realize that they made a big mistake and they're I'm gonna get fired what happened after you guys finished taping or did you tape during COVID yeah 
Wow. How was that? It was interesting. It was, um, it was a big production, lots and lots of people working on it and everyone was so responsible. Um, you know, we got, we always got tested, you know, 24 hours before any rehearsal or costume fitting. And then when we were actually shooting, we were tested, um, every other day on set when we arrived and, um, and then mask, face shield, uh, COVID protocols, you know, zones and individual bags. Like we worked, uh, the whole crew, I think worked for like a month and, uh, no one got COVID. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, it was very diligent. And, you know, as an actor, like in the moment, you're like, we're shooting in Chino and it's 90 degrees out and you're just dripping sweat and you have a mask and a face shield on and I'm in a wig and I'm in contacts and, and, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I hate this. But then you're just like, oh, but I'm working. I'm so grateful that I'm working. And working in something that you, you know, you've mentioned before gave you back that life, that like creativity, that spark that you were looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Which is just like a blessing, honestly, something that so many people always like look for and you got to find it not, in, not only in one industry, but in another. That's yeah. so cool. What's next mm -hmm. for you? What are you feeling? So many things. I'm so excited right now. Um, I guess like just backing up a little bit at the end of 2019, I got to be mentored by Cheryl Crow for, uh, wait, what? Incredible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was, um, NBC Citibank teamed up to do women who rock and they have an, an established star mentor, a up and coming singer songwriter. And Maren Morris did an episode and then Cheryl was the next mentor that they chose. And I was chosen as her mentee. So I went to Nashville and did a, like a 45 minute episode with Cheryl, where I just got to interview her and, and be in her studio and her home and her space and, and talk about all different types of questions from songwriting and, and really focused on what it's like to be a woman in the industry. Were you totally freaking out? Because I was freaking, freaking out the entire time I was in front of her freaking out and I kind of pride myself on being like totally pretty chill yeah pretty cool when it comes to like meeting celebrities and I usually have a pretty good poker face but when I met Cheryl like she's my Tommy. idol yeah so I was just like oh I love you this is real this is crazy it took me like a good like a, like a minute she's talking at me I'm in my stool and I'm like and then and then we chatted and it was good after that. But yeah, I was, I was freaking out. Wow. And this was before any of the acting or kind of during? This is 2019. So acting, I was very much like, this is what I want to do. I love this. I'm pursuing this. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in class. My class is very like scene study. Like you put on plays, we, 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 um, we learn with like classic text. So it was, it was intense. And I was like, just chomping at the bit for a job. I don't think I booked anything at that point. Um, maybe a couple like short films. And then this opportunity with Cheryl came and that was really reigniting the music. And it was December of 2019 and my single had just come out and I just worked with Cheryl. And I went to the Grammys and that was the day that Kobe died. My gosh, yeah. So I remember being in the Staples Center Whoa. And Kobe had just died. And it was this like, this energy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. And that was, that was 2020. We had just started, we had just started 2020 at that yeah, point. That was in February, right? Yeah. Wow. So every, the world was normal at that point. Yeah. Normal in quotes. Normal. Yeah. But I, I played the Citibank party and I met Deborah Sawaf, who is the founder of Tali Blanc and um, her clothing line. Kind of all this to say and give backstory to the fact that working with Cheryl kind of revived my music. So, and Citibank had really taken me under their wing and been very supportive. And so I was like, had the confidence again to say, I'm going to go back in and work on an EP and then do music side by side with acting and then meeting Deborah with Tali Blanc and kind of becoming a muse for that brand and having the fashion aspect too has been really fun um, because Deborah's collections and her visions are just so creative and she's so like women body positive, just a proponent of all women, all different careers, all different sizes, all different colors. You know, she's incredible. I love your story because, well, I didn't really know your story. We had just talked mm -hmm. that one time at the bar, <laughs> very LA, met one time, <laughs> followed each other on Instagram. Um, kept her in at a bar. Here. Yeah, kept in touch <laughs> here and there. But I really love your story because you are proof that you can do more than one thing. Like you can be successful in more than one thing. And I think so many people are so afraid um, to take those steps in trying something new, in thinking out of the box, in why not do so-and-so? And, -so? and yeah. you are proof that you were able to do, you were able to be a part of two amazing industries. And I think not a lot of people do that. Too many people, I think, wait until they're in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Like there's even studies of people that when they pass, like right before they pass, their biggest regret is I didn't live life like on my terms. And so to do this at in your 20s, I think just gives you more clarity. It might seem like it's very daunting and confusing and like you don't know what you're doing, but then you do it and you become so much more clear as to what it is you really love to do. So I just want to give you props. I think your story is really inspiring and a lot of people are going to see that they don't have to just be one thing. They don't have to just move to LA or wherever they're moving to and pursue that one thing they went to. It's okay to change your mind. Yeah. And so, and I also think it's important for me to say that um, it's kind of interesting being, you know, on your podcast and sharing my story because I just, I just feel like my story is starting. You know what I mean? I feel totally like I'm starting. just starting. Like I just stepped up to the plate with the bat, even though there's been so many things that have happened um, throughout this whole, like this whole thing, like, you know, most of my friends, like my good friends from Washington or from college, you know, they all are working in the medicine field or, you know, in, in um, business and all different types of jobs that are way more secure, you know, they're building their lives and they all have more money than me. <laughs> And they're all like, you know, doing their thing. And I think it's, there's, there's a part that's like, oh God, that sounds so seductive to just like do something different. Maybe that's not so soul crushing at times. Uh, and kind of be like, I'm 26. Like when's it, when's it time to pack up? But then I remember I was working as in 2019, I was working at a startup 
for like a sustainable water bottle company. And it was like a good nine to five. And I was like a good job. And my boss loved me. And he's like, Hey, I want to promote you, but I, I need you full time. Like I need you to commit to this and kind of, you know, give me more of you than you're giving to your craft. And I went to therapy about it. <laughs> is this the responsible thing? Like, is this the responsible thing to like take the salary and take the hours and, and take this path? Or am I too old? Like, and my therapist is like, no, pursue what's going to make you happy. Do what's going to make you happy. And I was like, okay, okay, cool. I needed to hear that. Thank you. Thank goodness for your therapist that actually was like, <laughs> no, don't because look where it got you. But I really do think that that's so true. It, of course, it's more seductive to have something that's going to be, if this, is what, if this is what's enticing to you, then 100%. Yeah. If you want to be a doctor, yeah. we need doctors. We need all these different careers. But like you're saying, as a creative, it is really seductive to hear something like, oh, you get paid how much to do a nine to five and you have health insurance and the benefits are super enticing. But then- do you really love what you do? I think also like in, in my case, it was my therapist. And what you just said is we're so young. You know, I, my, one of my, my partners who I, you know, I've been producing with and, and writing stuff with, and that's something else that I'm really excited about is taking on the produced film, film producing and not waiting for the casting to call me in and say, you got a role, but to actually create my own roles because I think that that's important. And, um, yeah. you know, he's like, I'm 34 and I want to make this happen now. And I'm getting too old. And I'm like, you're 34. You're so young. It's never, it's never too late to do what you want to do. And I'm, I'm learning that as I get more life experience, I guess. I also really believe that it's all about how you feel and believe about yourself. Because yeah. if you don't have belief in yourself, it's very hard to get other people to believe in you. It's very hard to get other people to be like, trust me, you know, take a chance on me, which I'm sure is you had so much belief in your acting and your music that your team has stood by you and has been like, let's do this together. Cause I'm sure they see that drive. They see that want, they see that like, I let my job go because I want to do this full time because this is what makes me happy. Are you in or are you in? Like, let's yes. do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, I'm sure, are, do you, I'm sure you do because we all do, but deal with the negative self-talk. For sure. All the time. Yes. It's like not normal. It's not normal to not have negative self-talk. No. And you're having to like, Sometimes I feel like the most confident person in the world. And sometimes I feel like the most insecure person in the For world. For sure. I'm the same. It's just, and you wish on those days that you could take your own advice and be like, you know, rise above that. But sometimes you're just like, I'm so untalented. I'm so not this. I'm so not that. And I think that social media plays a huge role in that as well. Agree. I think social media has taken a very serious toll on people thinking one way you know and always looking at other people and what they're doing instead of just focusing on yourself and it's so much easier said than done i'm 100 percent guilty of feeling this way sometimes just make just remembering that you have the ability to keep going you have the ability to be your best friend you have the ability to be your best cheerleader and have people around you that 
support you. And I think lately I've realized that you also have the opportunity and the choice to change what you're seeing, to change what you're following, to change what you keep, what you keep kind of doing to yourself really, because it's very easy to unfollow that person or that celebrity or whatever it is, or that news outlet, whatever it is that you're following that doesn't give you that Mm -hmm. good feeling. It's also very easy to just unfollow and have you focus on something else. I 100% agree with that. You know, what we're allowing, if you know, we're allowing to influence us. What would you say has been your biggest win so far? I would say as far as just like a career, the things we've talked about today, like, like heist, heist is definitely like a, a huge, it's a huge win. I was the thumbnail on the Netflix preview for the Netflix, like tapestry thing, like the thing. And I was like, what? And that's a huge, that's a huge win. Um, I would say though, and this is me like being real vulnerable right now, uh, real, real. My biggest win is getting over my eating disorder. Like I would say right now with the amount of things going on, you know, balance, I feel like I'm, my brain is kind of being pulled into all these different directions right now with things I have to do and things I want to do. And I'm just the queen of overloading my plate. And in the past, you know, from like 18 to 24, I struggled so hard with the just crippling eating disorder and being 26 now and having gone through a, you know, nutritionist and a lot of doctors and a lot of situations to kind of like even my metabolism. I don't obsess about it anymore. I'm not obsessed. I don't think I'm ever going to be 100% healed, but I'm definitely, it does not run my life anymore. And that is a huge win. Huge win. And thank you so much for being open and vulnerable about that because it is, it's something very personal. And I think there is so much to be said about your acceptance and like being able to be so proud of you for doing that, you know, for taking the steps, for being able to look at it and be like, this is what I got to do. And now sitting here at 26 and knowing that, you, you, it's a win of yours. That's so incredible. It's a huge, yeah. I was, you know, I was talking to my mom and just like yesterday and I was like, you know, like I was in Texas shooting a movie and I didn't have control over my food or my sleep schedule or my, I didn't really have control over everything. I was just kind of like on set and and acting and, and immersed. And the fact that I was able to just be like, okay, that's what's for dinner. Oh, okay. I don't get to work out today. Oh, okay. Like, this is what's happening and not have that freak me out the way it would have when I was 21. It's like, I have my life back. That is awesome. I have me back. And you honestly, just you saying that you instantly became brighter, like for real, you you said that and it, I could like see how relieved you feel. Also correct me if I'm wrong, but putting your energy into something that you love being able to be creative in a craft like acting, which has made you so happy and music, which has also made you so happy, must have been such a savior too in being able to put all that energy somewhere that you really love. God, yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, as my mom says, she's like, sure, you healed, but you, you got busy. You got busy. You put all your energy into something else rather than this just like whatever self-obsession it was. Or for me, it was stress and feeling like I needed to be able to control something because my life wasn't mine. Thank you so much for sharing that. 
Yeah, I think there's a huge part of me that like hasn't really been open about it. Most of my good good friends from college saw like the depths of where Emery was and how far I took it. So they know, but I haven't been very open about it on social media because I didn't want to be, I didn't want, I didn't want to be defined by that being older. And I'm, it's not, I'm not afraid of it anymore. It's not me. You can't define me by it. I think it's actually important to talk about because also with females and actors acting, especially being on camera is brutal it is so brutal. Even like my biggest win was the, the heist that came out heist. And I'm watching the trailer and I'm like, Oh, my face looks weird there. Like, why did they pick that angle? Like, Oh God, that's when makeup, you know, couldn't quite cover that pimple and it's shiny on camera. Like, Oh God, I hate looking at myself. You know, it's really hard to look at yourself on camera, but I think the more I talk about it and I'm open about my insecurities, it just makes everything more human. Everything more human. And I have to say, I watched the trailer and I think you look stunning. So thank you. <laughs> to end the podcast, what would you say then is, has been your biggest lesson in life? My biggest lesson is just trusting my gut, trusting my body. I mean, trusting the way that people make me feel energetically, red flags, you know, your body, your body knows pretty quickly. And then I would also say that I'm, I'm a spiritual person. I really believe in energy and, and spirituality. I really believe that you're exactly where you're supposed to be. What is meant for you will be yours. You got to put the work in. I believe that. I believe that uh, preparation meets opportunity, but I really do think that what is meant to be yours will be. A hundred percent agree with what you said. Trust your gut, trust your body, prepare, do the best you can things will work out. Yeah, I really do. I really do think that. And you know, with, with music, you're just exposing your soul and, and who knows what's going to be a, a hit or what's going to go. We just, we just don't know. And with film, so much of the time, if you don't get a role, it's not because you're a bad actor. It's because you didn't have the right look or you were too short or you're too tall or just, just wasn't the perfect combination of things. So when that right role does come or that right song does come, it will happen. And that goes to everything else in life. I really do believe that. Oh my gosh. It's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. You are, your story is so inspirational. I really can't wait for people to hear your story. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really happy that we got to do this. Thank you so much for listening guys. Here are a few takeaways from Emery's episode. Number one, Sometimes doing the thing you're not supposed to do can liberate you. Number two, sometimes you need to pull back to be reeled back in. Number three, being flexible allows more things to come to you that you didn't even know you wanted. Number four, having a smaller agent when you're just starting out can be just what you need. Number five, having a mentor by your side to watch out for you is invaluable. Number six, your story is just starting. Number seven, it's never too late to do what you want to do. Number eight, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. What is meant for you will be yours. And number nine, preparation meets opportunity. You can now watch Heist on Netflix. I'll leave all the information down below in the show notes. You can even check out the write-up I did for this episode with the takeaways in the show notes as well. And if you liked this episode or if you're enjoying this podcast, please rate and review us. It would mean the world to me. 
Thank you so much for following along. If you want to follow us on Instagram, you can follow my personal at Drea Lopez without the Ian Lopez or at the journey of pursuit also on Instagram. I'll leave everything linked below, but thank you so much for being here with me. I can't wait for you guys to continue listening to the stories I have coming up. Thank you so much again. I'll see you guys next week. Ciao.